We're in week three of our series, Preaching Pixels. It's been a pretty fun series where we are going through and looking at some of our favorite family films and pulling out the biblical truths that are kind of hidden within. And uh, I got to say, one of my favorite parts about this whole series so far has been all of you coming up to me and saying, okay, I watched The Lion King, and this is what I think you're going to preach on. Or I watched Moana, and I have no idea what you're going to preach on. That was actually pretty fun. After our last viewing party of Moana uh, uh, last week when we watched Moana, I had two different people come up to me and said, well, good luck with that one. <laughs> I liked that a lot. But then I had other individuals say, I think you might go in this direction. I had someone just this morning tell me, I watch Incredibles, and I, I found out what you should preach on. And I'm going to find out if you preach on it today, and you're going to either be in good shape or bad shape. He was saying it in kind love and jest, and so he was saying it in good heart. And I love that. What I love about it is you are all doing what I'm doing, and you're sitting and you're watching with your eye towards the movie and another ear towards God and seeing how does this match up or doesn't match up. And, and that's a fascinating experiment. That's what we're kind of called to do as we journey through this life anyway. And so I love that you're doing that, and it's been a lot of fun. Week one, we looked at the Lion King, and we, we pulled out this idea of our identity and who we are in Christ. And then last week with Moana, we talked about our purpose and our personal calling that each one of us, God has called to do a special and unique work for the King and His kingdom. And today, well, we're talking about one of my favorite movies, not just animated movies, but favorite movies, The Incredibles. And you heard that awesome piece that Katie played to get us all pumped up. She wrote that, by the way. She listened and like wrote notes on she. How amazing is that, right? Yeah, that's awesome. I don't even know how to read music, and she's like writing it by ear. That's awesome. Way to go. And what we're talking about today, it's, last week was about our personal calling. This week is about our shared calling as Christ's church. So let me give you a synopsis of The Incredibles in case you haven't seen it in a while or you've never seen it. It's an animated film, and it's a story that follows Mr. Incredible. He's a superhero. He's super strong, and he's pretty amazing. And his wife is Elastigirl, and she can stretch her limbs and everything, and, and she's also amazing. They're two superheroes during a golden age of superheroes. Now, Something happens, and all the heroes are forced to stop doing their hero work, and they're forced to adopt secret identities, and only that. They can't do any kind of saving or any kind of hero work. And so what we find is that Mr. Incredible, whose name is Bob, reminds me a lot of you, Bob Durian, actually, <laughs> strapping man. There you go. Yeah. And Elastigirl, Helen's her name. They have three kids, and... They're trying to navigate life that's not so super when they're just living a normal life. Now, Helen adjusts actually quite well to being a mom. She, she's raising her kids. She's trying to work with Jack-Jack, or, or excuse me, a Dash, her son, who's like super fast and getting in trouble at school, but isn't supposed to be using his powers and all that. She's trying to be a caregiver without hero work. But Bob is having a tough go of it. He struggles to adapt to the so-called normal life. And he longs to go back to doing what he knows he was made for. Eventually, he gets caught up in a trap under the guise of doing hero work, which then forces Helen, along with two of her kids who stow away, not to her knowledge, uh, to go and try and save 
Bob. Now, throughout this adventure, the family learns to fight together as superheroes, trust each other, work together, utilizing each other's strengths, and covering for each other's weaknesses. They ultimately beat the bad guy, and each member of that family has an important hand in saving the day. Even the baby Jack-Jack, who they didn't know even had powers, but he does. So that's kind of, in a very quick nutshell, The Incredibles. And each member within that family has these skills, these gifts that are unique to them, that makes them super. As we mentioned, Mr. Incredible, he's strong, right? He's a tough guy. He's, he has the strength. The last girl has the stretchy powers. Dash has super speed. He's super fast. And Violet, she, she can go invisible and, and create force fields uh, to like defend things and whatnot. And then Jack-Jack, I don't really know how to describe Jack-Jack's powers. He he changes into like a, a demon baby thing. He turns into like lead, steel, and he's heavy. He has laser eyes. He just, he's kind of, he's kind of all over the place. But they all have powers. And when you think of it, in a way, that's true of each of us as well. Now, maybe you don't have laser eyes. And maybe only some of us, like me, are super strong. <laughs> but we all have unique gifts. And we all have these special callings. And God has created us with a certain mixture of talents and giftedness. And that's the beauty. When we use those gifts God has given us in the name of good, they are indeed super. Because they're beyond ourselves. They are God-given. It's God working in and through us. And that is indeed super. And this is good news because God doesn't make duds, okay? I've said that before, but God never made someone and said, that one was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. That's not who our God is, okay? Sin may corrupt things and take what was good and have bad things happen in and out of that, but God doesn't make duds, okay? He creates beauty. In fact, he calls us his masterpiece, created to do this good type of work that he calls us to. You may know this verse from Ephesians 2 verse 10, where God's masterpiece, he created us anew in Christ Jesus, meaning our sinful selves that we're, we're kind of inherit when we're born and that sin we all have. When we give our life to, crea- uh, to Christ, he created us anew. It's our new identity, and he can do the good things that called to do the good things that he planned for us all long ago. You are a masterpiece created by God, created in the image of God. And he has called you. He has gifted you. He has made you uniquely you to continue the very mission that Jesus came and begun. Now, in The Incredibles, Bob, Mr. Incredible, he begins the movie by proclaiming several times that he likes to work alone, okay? There's a kind of a pivotal moment with who actually becomes Syndrome, the bad guy. His name's Buddy, and he idolized and looked up to Mr. Incredible so much. He wanted to save and work with him. He, he was really gifted even. He invented these boots that helped him fly and all this. But, but Bob, Mr. Incredible, wasn't having it because uh, it just didn't work out. And he would say to him, buddy, fly, away, fly home, buddy. I work alone. This caused a wound in Buddy that led to his eventual becoming the villain of the film. But that's not really what we're talking about. 
But you see, as he goes, he keeps trying to do things on his own power. Mr. Incredible tries to rely only on him. He's the strong one. He can do this. He doesn't need anyone else. But finally, in the midst of the climax of the film, Mr. Incredible is trying to tell his family to play it safe. Go someplace safe. I got this. While he goes off alone to face it. Now, Helen is a very good wife and a very good mother. And she finally, after berating him, saying, no, we are in this together. We can go with you. Why are you trying to do this alone? He breaks down and he confesses why he doesn't want them to fight alongside of him. And Mr. Incredibles, this is what his confession that he says, I'm not strong enough. The strong one is saying, I'm not strong enough. I'm not strong enough to lose you. Not again. I can't. I'm not strong enough. Helen looks at him and says, if we work together, you don't have to be. Now to me, this is a beautiful reminder of what it means to be a part of God's church. Not one of us was called to go it alone through this life. The Incredibles in every way are a family on mission, kind of a literal sense, right? They're on a mission to stop the bad guy. But that is exactly what the church community is called to be as well. A family on mission. That's who we are. We each are called to serve God, surely in unique ways, wherever he calls us. But he has also called us together as his church to serve him collectively, to have belonging, to cover each other's weaknesses, You see, God never intended for us to go alone through this life. God is relational by his very essence. Just look to the Trinity and the beauty and the mystery of the Trinity and the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God is relational by his very essence. And in the New Testament church, God rarely calls individuals to a solo journey. Jesus sends his disciples two by two. He sends others to join with the community of faith that's already there to join them in that good work. If there is a widow or an orphan, he calls the church community to invite them in as a part of their family. None of us were called to go it alone. And he has called us together to be a part of his church on mission together for the king and the kingdom. There's a verse we're going to spend some time in here, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at 12 through 20 and 25 through 27. And for the kids here, when I was in high school, I was sent as a student leader for a middle school mission trip. And I was tasked with teaching on this verse. And I didn't understand it. And I was too hard-headed to ask for help. And so I tried to teach on this verse, and I was so confused because it's talking about bodies and, and toes and eyeballs talking and all this stuff. And I didn't understand what happens in this verse is it's, it's kind of like a metaphor. It's an image, and it's talking about the church and the different people that make up the church. So let's dive into that together. 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts— But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, whether we are slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. That means it doesn't matter what your earthly family is like. It doesn't matter your lot in life. You are part of this body. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, well, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That is, God has you as a part of this body right where he wants you. If they were all one part, where would that body be? As it is, there are many parts, but there's only one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Meaning we're all in this together, even those people you may not like as much. All right? Now later on in verse 25, it says, There should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. We look out for each other because we are a family based in God. Because if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Mm. When you gave your life to Christ, you were adopted into his family, and your presence and your gifts and your talents, they were all added to this body that we call a church. We were not called to go alone. We belong to something bigger than ourselves. Thinking of the Incredibles again, it's pretty evident they're at their best when they are all working together as a team. And we, as the church, are at our best when everyone is playing their part adding their own God-given unique gifts to the church as we seek to live on mission together. We talked last week about what we do matters. And what we do in faith and on mission together, oh man, God multiplies that. That is his design. That's how he decided to continue the mission of Jesus through his people working together. And maybe you caught it in our Corinthians passage. Just like Jesus rejoices with those who rejoices and weeps with those who weep, the body of Christ is called to do the same. That means we're sharing our struggles with others and we're, we're meeting them with empathy and care and compassion. That means we're rejoicing and celebrating things. We're not keeping the good news to ourselves, but we're sharing it as a community. When one of us suffers, we all do. We know that. One of us gets that bad medical diagnosis. We all feel that weight. And we rally around each other. We have to help each other out. Because that's what it means to be a family. For a family on mission, that's what it means to be a family. 
But the church is also not just a social club. It is one, and it's a great one. It's the best one there can be because it's grounded in God's love. But it's not only a social club. It's not a cruise ship where we come and solely enjoy being served or anything like that. No, it's a call to arms because we're sent on mission. It's like a battleship where we join together on mission to press forward toward a shared goal, each one of us with our assignment to do the work we're called to. And there is so much more fulfillment in this life when we joyfully serve together. That's what it means to be on mission. We're called to be a family on mission. And I'm sure uh, I speak for several of us, many of us here, that once you live into that reality, when you're part of a team that is doing good work and you're contributing and you've seen the fruit of what happens, oh, there is very little that is better than that. That is so good. And even when you live into that, it is so hard to go back to the other way, right? It is so hard to go back. Think of Mr. Incredible when he was forced to sell insurance or work in insurance claims. He was miserable. He doesn't even smile. He is checked out. He's doing his hero work, what he was called to do. He's invigorated. He is fired up. He's living into who he was made to be. None of us were called to sit on the sidelines. Maybe some of us are called to sit on the bench to recoup a little bit after we serve for a while, and we need some other people to take a heavier load, but then we're called back into the game. We aren't called to sit it out. We're made for a purpose, to belong to a community where it's all in and everybody plays. I was one of those kids that was, um, I was kind of small when I was a kid. <laughs> Do you know that? And um, I remember I was going out for the elementary school basketball team. Think you could make that team, right? That they don't make cuts in elementary school? I was cut from the elementary school basketball team. Ouch! It's okay. I've worked through it. Counseling and stuff. It's all good. <laughs> There's no cuts in the kingdom of God. And praise God for that. There's no preferential treatment in the kingdom of God. Praise God for that. He has called and gifted each one of you in an immeasurable amount because the Spirit is with you, eager to work through you. We all have that role to play and that important position that only you can fill. Praise God for that. You see, this is the church at its best. And I love seeing it played out here at Hope. We are a church that is both scattered and gathered. We are sent from this place with God's blessing to go do the work he's individually called us to. But then we also are gathered when we come together and we unite our gifts and we serve our community for the mission he has given this church. That is beautiful. And the beautiful thing is there's not an age limit or an age cutoff. Everybody is invited into this mission. There's a place for everybody, every age, every stage of life. So what's your role right now? Now, sometimes we have to be strong, right? Sometimes we got to do some heavy lifting. 
and, and hold up some of the work that needs to be done. Sometimes we need to be flexible like Elastigirl, right? And, and bend with what's happening and, and use our flexibility in that way. Sometimes we got to move fast when we don't want to move fast because we want to just hold back and see how things play out. But sometimes what you need is a little speed. There's a whole thing there with Top Gun. I'm not going to get into it. Sometimes you need to protect like Violet and her force fields, and we have to guard the mission and the direction of the church. Or even now and then, like Jack-Jack, you just got to do something that seems a little unpredictable, unexpected, and a little crazy. And it's not crazy if you're always seeking, like we talked about last week, to be faithful to God and his leaning. We don't do any of this on our own thought, on our own power. It is all seeking God and his path for us. There are so many ways to serve. There are so many ways to be a part of a church community. And I see how you guys have been living that out. I see it in the cards you send and the meals you make and the ways you show up to make coffee and pour coffee, to hold open the doors, to mow the lawn, to make our markets possible, to donate to the family in need, to offer up your prayers, to join those teams and to serve. I see your good work and how we are being the body of Christ. And I also see where we have greater need. In fact, every single one of our ministry teams right now is undermanned. And we have people being the strength, but they need some support. And we have so many service and volunteers and even greater needs. And so I wonder if God has even placed maybe on your heart a new venture, a new thing that we don't even have. Maybe, maybe uh, an example, um, you have a heart for crocheting and you want to start a blanket ministry and, and, and make that intentional. We already kind of have that because you guys are great at making blankets. It's really good. Uh, but maybe it's like becomes an actual team that, that serves in that way. And Maybe you heard that Pastor Curry, if we affirm his hiring, he, he wants to establish this, this care team. And you say, well, I've been writing cards for people all the time. I, I can tell Curry what I've been doing and see if that could help their efforts. And absolutely, that is the beauty of the church. God gifts us all uniquely and places things on our heart. And if we hold them to ourselves, you'll still do good. You will. But when you unleash those into the church community and allow it to spread, it will spread like a wildfire. That's God's great plan. All of us, individually living into our calling and collectively pursuing his mission. And when the church is at its best, oh baby, it is indeed quite incredible. Because we are reminded that the church's pur- purpose, it's nothing short of joining Jesus and his mission of saving the world. It sounds pretty super to me. It requires stepping out in faith. It requires stretching ourselves as we submit to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. It requires sacrifice, giving up things we like, giving up our time, our preferences, our resources to instead invest it in the kingdom, trusting that God multiplies what we give away. And it requires each and every one of us suiting up and asking our, what our God-given gifts are and how might we use them together as God works through us as his family on mission for him. May it continue to be so here at Hope Church for many, many, many years to come. Amen. Let's pray. 
God, we give you thanks that you invite us into your mission and your work and what you're up to in this world. Because you are God and you are all-powerful and you can do all things and immeasurably more than we can even fathom, you could have chosen any way to save this world. And you did the ultimate sacrifice by sending Jesus to do so, but then you did another astounding thing by inviting us in as major players of the game by seeking to live faithfully in faith and in step with you and trusting your guidance as you work in and through us. Oh, how humbling that is, God, that you work through us, your people. We thank you for the almost 75 years of faithfulness of Hope Reformed Church here in this neighborhood. We praise God for the incredible things you have done in and through this place. And we continue to seek your guidance, just as we always have, that you work in and through us again, here and now, for years to come. We submit ourselves as a church to you. We ask you, God, how you long for us to serve and what ways you want us to serve you. Work in our hearts and embolden us forward as we continue to seek to love and live and lead in Jesus' name, right here in the Westwood community and wherever you send us. And Father, we do so knowing that only Christ is the head of the church. Only Christ is at the top. So we submit to you, trusting you, because you alone are the cornerstone of our life, of our faith, of this creation. We thank you that your kingdom is good and your ways are sure. We pray this all now in Jesus' name. Amen.